Good afternoon, Anteater fans, and welcome to the first Blue and Gold Report of the 2012-13 season. If you're a regular listener, I thank you for joining us again this year. And if you're new to the show, stay tuned as we take an inside look into UC Irvine Athletics. The Blue and Gold Report airs Tuesdays at 5 p.m., and over the year we'll be talking to UCI student-athletes, coaches, and staff. Last year we introduced an alumni segment and visited with several of our athletic alumni, including Oklahoma City Thunder head coach Scott Brooks, Chicago White Sox pitcher Dylan Axelrod, and four-time Olympian Ryan Bailey. And we'll be bringing back that segment again this year. Also joining us is Daily Pilot reporter Barry Faulkner, who will share his view on Anteater Athletics. I'm Fumi Kimran. I'll be your host for the next hour. We have an exciting show for you today. Our first guest is junior driver Mitch Wise from the men's water polo team, and later we'll be joined by senior libero Kristen Winkler of the women's volleyball team. Fans, if you have a question you'd like to ask our guests, email us at blueandgoldreport at yahoo.com or tweet us your question to at UCI Athletics and use the hashtag BGReport. Again, that's at UCI Athletics, hashtag BGReport. We'll try to get as many questions read on the air as possible during the hour. Hey fans, this is Mike Edless, head coach of the women's tennis team. Be sure to friend Peter the Anteater on Facebook this season. Peter keeps all of his friends updated on all UC Irvine athletic games and events. Search Peter Ant and add him today. Want the inside scoop on the women's tennis team? Then fan them on Facebook by searching UC Irvine Women's Tennis. And welcome back to the Blue and Gold Report on KUCI 88.9. Before we're joined by our first guest, let's take a look back at the week in UCI athletics. The women's volleyball team moved into sole possession of second place in the Big West after going 1-1 one and one on the road. The Anteaters were swept by number 8 Hawaii, but re- rebounded with a 3-1 win over Cal State Northridge. Marissa Bubica led the team with 21 kills, while Ali Squires and Sydney Wright each posted 18 kills and 7 blocks apiece. Scott Juniper's women's soccer team, looking to defend its Big West Conference title, opened conference action with two road wins against Cal State Fullerton and UC Riverside. Natalia Ledesma gave UCI the lead in the fifth minute, and Laura McGrail closed the door on the Titans in the 63rd minute in an eventual 3-1 victory. Sunday, an overtime goal by Jackie Samus in the 98th minute lifted the Anteaters to a 2-1 win over the Highlanders. The goal was Samus's second straight as UCI pulled to 6-7 and overall. Eater Nation was out in full force last Friday as close to 1,700 fans came to watch the men's soccer team open Big West action against Sacramento State. The Anteaters unfortunately fell short, losing 2-1 to the Hornets. Gore Kirokosian put away his team-leading fourth goal of the year in the 22nd minute to give UCI the lead, but the Hornets tied the game in the 30th minute and stole a road win with a goal in the 84th. UCI then lost to UC Davis 3-1 Sunday, with Lester Hayes III scoring the lone goal for the Anteaters. Mark Hunt's men's water polo team finished fourth at the SoCal tournament, beating UC Davis 13-6 and fourth-ranked Cal 13-11 before falling to number 1 USC 10-5 and UCLA 14-8. The Anteaters 12-3 on the year were led by Moyan Herlick, who put away 11 goals. Vince Boyle's cross-country teams had a strong showing at the Stanford Invitational with Rex Nelson placing 15th of 265 runners with a time of 24.43, over 8,000 meters. Also finishing in the top 30 was Sam Himes, who came in at number 26 with a time of 25.04 as the Ant-Eater men finished 6th in the 29-team field. 
On the women's side, Colleen Lillig placed 39th to come in as UCI's top finisher. Lillig, running a 6,000-meter course, posted a time of 21.57 as the team finished 21st with 539 points. Men's golfer Pete Fernandez came in 5th at the William H. Tucker Invitational in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Fernandez finished with a 2-under total of 214 for 54 holes after shooting a final round of 75. The Eaters finished 8th with a 3-round score of 892. The women's golf team finished 6th last week at the Cougar Cup, hosted by Washington State. Freshman Lucianne Lee paced the Anteaters after carding 226 in her collegiate debut to place 21st. Michelle Yang tied for 22nd with a score of 227. That was the action in UCI Athletics last week. We'll be right back with men's water polo player Mitch Wise. Anteater fans, this is Kristen Winkler from the women's volleyball team. Catch the action on campus this week as we host Pacific and UC Davis this Friday and Saturday at 7 o'clock in Crawford Court. For soccer fans, the women's soccer team plays Cal Poly Friday at 7 and UC Santa Barbara Sunday at 1. Both matches are at Anteater Stadium, so come out and support and be a part of Eater Nation. And welcome back to the Blue and Gold Report. I'm Fumi Kimura. We're with Mitch Wise, junior driver from the men's water polo team. Mitch, welcome to the show. Hi, glad to be here. Uh, you had a great tournament. You went 2-2 two and two at the SoCal tournament, but you're 12-3 and three on the year. You're having a fantastic season. Yeah, we are. We're doing really well. Uh, you beat UC Davis, I believe, and you beat number 4 Cal avenging an earlier season loss before falling to USC and UCLA. So what was the difference in your second matchup against Cal? Let's start there. Um, so the first time we played them, we kind of we were coming just off an of overtime loss to San Diego, and we were kind of a little bit tired because we played two games in one day. And uh, so the second time around, we knew kind of what they were going to do. They were going to swim fast, and we, were, uh, we definitely played some good defense against Cal. And uh, we we did well the second time around, just limiting them to less goals and also scoring more on the offensive end. So now, do you expect to see them at the Mount Packs? Yeah, definitely. They're top four team, uh, but we beat them. So I mean, we're top four team, I think too. So they'll they'll definitely be there. It, it's the top eight teams that go to the the Mount Packs. So well, you have thirty six goals on the year, six more than you had. Your freshman season, you redshirted in 09, but your freshman season was 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, individually, you're having a great year yourself. What's what's the key to that this year? Um, it's all about the team. I mean, my goals are just, uh, they basically exhibit what the team's doing. And it's it's uh, a lot of people, a lot of our players have a lot of goals this year, which is good because it's a team, it's team effort and uh, everyone's contributing. So that's good. Um, for our water polo fans, or actually for our Andier fans who may not understand water polo very well, can you explain the driver position and what it entails? Yeah, so the driver position is uh, it's basically like a wing or a point guard in basketball. So there's there's five drivers and there's one center position. So the drivers, their their objective is to get the ball into the, the center, the two-meter man. And uh, also they can also drive... That's why it's called the driver. So that they can drive and try and get open on, like, drive swimming swimming towards the goal. So Now, similar to the basketball, is the prototypical driver small and fast? Because um, I know Boyan's a little bit smaller than you are, and he has, gosh, he's got to have, like, probably 36, 40 goals as well. Yeah. Um, so what is the prototypical driver size? 
Um, it's usually smaller than the center, quicker, faster. Um, there can be bigger drivers too that can post up and kind of act like a two meter man, mm-hmm. but um, usually they're they're smaller than the the center. The center. So now, were you always a driver? Was that your natural position? Yeah. Well, in high school, I was a center because I mean there wasn't very many people on my team, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's it's uh, so center is really important to the team. They they hold the position and they. Uh, it's it's a big part of the offense. So uh, I was a I was basically a utility in high school. I played almost everywhere. So, um, but after high school, I just focused on driving because I was a little bit smaller than the normal setter. Now you're six two. When you came to UC Irvine and you um, started playing against these larger centers, were you surprised at the the height difference and the weight difference? Or yeah, were yeah. They were the when I first came here, they were humongous. Like. I, I saw these seniors that were six six two fifty, and I was like, "How am I going to guard this guy?" But uh, you eventually figure it out, and you can you can uh, figure ways to get around the centers if you're a little bit smaller. Just stay away from them and don't let well, don't let them grab you. So now you talked a little bit about high school. You're from Oregon. How did you get into the sport of water polo? That's not known as a hotbed. Um, yeah, so it, it's a lot bigger down in California. Um, so, so my brother watched it on the Olympics, water polo, and he was always, we were always on the neighborhood swim team, and he thought, hey, I play baseball, I swim, this looks like a fun sport to try out. Um, so my oldest brother, Matt, he he watched it on the Olympics, and then he tried it out at our local pool, and he loved it, because he was totally into the intense competition, and so uh, then my middle brother got into it, and eventually me so it's not it's not very big in Oregon but um it was it's definitely a fun sport if you like to throw the ball hard and if you like to swim now I've known a couple of water polo players throughout the years that came to UC Irvine have you ever just driven a ball at a guy's face oh yeah um (laughs) I guess (laughs) yeah um well like so that you can field block in water polo Mm -hmm. so if you like um the old rules used to be if you throw it off the field block, then it would be your ball. So a lot of I guess a lot of people back in the day used to just throw it as hard as they could off off some guy and get <laughs> the ball back. So I've never really intentionally done that, but I've definitely done it on accident. So has that happened to you? Yeah, I've got. <laughs> I just last in SoCal tournament, I got hit in the face <laughs> when I was trying to shot block. So um, so Oregon to UC Irvine, how did that? happened how did that transition work um so i used to play on this club team um it was washington and oregon combined and uh so they the coach in washington tim reed he he did a camp and he invited his friend rick merlot who went to uci alumni he went to the olympics um so i got to talking to rick and uh I, he said, where do you think about going to school? And I said, oh, I don't know, somewhere in California because that's where all the schools are. Maybe UC Irvine. And he said, no way. Uh, really? Because I'm from UC Irvine. And I, I said that because he's from UC Irvine. And he's like, yeah, well, let me talk to uh, Mark Hunt and maybe you guys can figure something out. So that's that's how I got into UC Irvine, like uh, talking to UC Irvine. So. so you knew Rick was from Irvine, but Rick didn't know you knew. Yeah, yeah. He didn't he didn't think <laughs> So you that worked I knew. him a little? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. 
Um, were you playing any other sports at the time? In, in addition to water polo, were you? Did you have to choose one at some point? Because I know you're an all-around athlete. Yeah, I I was on the swim team in high school, and I was also on the baseball team. So I, for the longest time, I couldn't decide. I mean, I I thought about swimming and playing baseball somewhere, and also, obviously water polo is on my mind as well. And uh, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. So eventually, I just I decided water polo. So, but baseball baseball was a huge part of my life too. I I played in. Uh, the Little League, the regional tournament uh, in San Bernardino. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. And so we, we were like one game away from going to the World Series. So that was a fun time. That must have been a great experience. Yeah, it was really fun. Do you still watch it on TV every year? Yeah, it's kind of fun to see like all the kids that go. Like There's been some teams from Oregon. and uh, Yeah, it's definitely fun to watch. When was the last time you played baseball? Um, senior year of high school. Like the last last game of my senior year was the last baseball game I played in so um I was thinking about doing it I couldn't I didn't know if I want to do baseball or water polo but um decided water polo in the end um so in addition to that I'm told you ski you play basketball or you ski and you swam and you played baseball competitively and then for fun you picked up basketball tennis and volleyball oh yeah um (laughs) so skiing I've been skiing since I was three and uh, my mom and dad taught me, and we used to go up to Mount Hood, Mount Bachelor in Oregon, and uh, that's actually how I got the scar on my face. I was skiing. I was skiing down this, uh, like, black diamond or I think double black or something like that when I was eight years old. And, um, yeah, so that was that was a, that was a tough injury. But, um, yeah, well, uh, volleyball, basketball, and tennis, those are just things that, I like to do with uh, my friends and my roommates. So, now I'm told that you guys will go to the arc and you know set up some basketball teams. Are you the last one to get picked? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm usually like the people that are picking. So the captain. You're one of the captains. Yeah. So who on your team is the last to get picked? Usually. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's kind of hard to say, but we we have some guys that are not the best basketball players. Or land athletes. Well, they kill you in the pool, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Moving on, you're a health food nut, from what I'm told. Uh, you eat a ton of organic food. In fact, you stuff the fridge and the freezer, and your roommates weren't able to put their own food in. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I've been uh, I've been on this crave where I, I like to juice and uh, drink a bunch of healthy juices and stuff like that. My, my mom and dad got me into it, kind of, because they were doing it. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of stuff the freezer with frozen berries and don't leave a lot of, uh, room for my roommates, so. And, and they don't eat it from what you told me. No, they don't, I don't, I don't think they like the stuff I get, like the, the almond butter or anything like that. They, they'd prefer regular peanut butter, so. Now, because you like all the organic stuff, are you cooking yourself or do you cook yourself or is it all prepared? Um, I I like to cook sometimes, but there's sometimes there's not a lot of time after practice, so I like to heat up a quick like DiGiorno or something just to satisfy my hunger. So, um, and that kind of fits into your major, which is Earth and Environmental Science. So, what are you looking to do with that degree? Um, I'm not really sure yet. I've been checking uh, online 
the types of careers that involve earth and environmental science. But um, maybe the the one that I'm thinking of kind of right now is environmental consulting. It's kind of interests me a lot. So uh, we'll see we'll see how it plays out. Now, what does an environmental consultant do? So they're into like um, helping businesses out with the environmental rules and laws and regulations. So they uh, they basically help businesses to follow the rules about where to dump their water, what to, what to do with um, certain types of things that they they want to dispose of. So now, has this been a long time interest of yours, environmental science? Um, it it kind of just hit me when I took a few classes at UCI. Um, it it's definitely interests me. That's why I, I majored in it. So um, we'll. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty much in the back of my mind since high school. So, well, that that sounds really great, um, Mitch. The Anteaters are twelve and three. You guys are having a great year. Yeah, I want to wish you the best of luck the rest of the season, and thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back with Kristen Winkler on the Blue and Gold Report on KUCI 88.9. Hi, Anteater fans. This is Dan Klatt, head coach of the women's water polo team. Do you tweet? If so, be sure to follow UC Irvine Athletics and Peter the Anteater. Join the Twitterazzi and get the inside scoop on your favorite UC Irvine sports. Find us on Twitter by searching UC Irvine Athletics and Peter T. Anteater. And we're back with senior libero Kristen Winkler on the Blue and Gold Report. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you. You guys are 8-9 and nine overall, but the more important record is 3-1 and one in the Big West. Talk about those first two weekends. Um, I think it was pretty positive in the sense that we came together as a team and um, we kind of found ourselves and our identity and our energy and um, I think we're kind of just rolling with it and it feels good. So you beat Santa Barbara and then you beat Cal Poly and then you fall to a very, very talented Hawaii team and then you come back. You have to make that turnaround and mm-hmm. beat Northridge on the road. How did you guys manage that? Because it is a tough flight and a recovery from Hawaii when you're three hours ahead. Definitely. It was a hard day of traveling. We had to get up early. We had to fly. We had to drive through Carmageddon. But um, I think once we just got to Northridge, we were just so focused on getting a win. And we sort of have a past with that team. And we were just completely focused on them. We completely forgot about the Hawaii game and we just moved on and um, we found ourselves again and came out and we did some pretty cool things. Um, Northridge was the best blocking team coming into um, coming into this conference season. How did you guys neutralize their blockers? Um, we definitely, we scouted the night before and we definitely knew tendencies of their blockers so we manipulated that with um, plays that we had that we had run we'd set up one hitter by having another hitter block or distract one of their blockers so I definitely think that worked we had a lot of one-on-one opportunities and our hitters were able to put away a lot of balls now let's take a quick step back you know Hawaii just joined the conference and you've you've played there before Mm -hmm. uh, but some of our freshmen haven't Mm -hmm. and they're walking into an arena where you're playing in front of 5600 people Mm -hmm. what was that atmosphere like um, actually, it wasn't as hostile as people would think. The Hawaiians, they're pretty nice, but in a sense, um, I think that 
Hawaii did a really good job with making us feel uncomfortable. Like whenever we were warming up, you just hear the announcer, the music would be cut or it was hard for us to get to our water um, because they were doing TV interviews. So we were kind of already a little bit uncomfortable when we entered the stadium and you know, it's just such a big arena. I think we kind of got a little over our heads and deer in the headlights at some points, but I'm, we're excited to play them again. Did you give the freshmen any words of advice before that match? Um, I think what we tried to do is just always stay confident, and I think we maybe went away from that for a little bit. We definitely had streaks of it, and it showed, especially in that first game, we were right there with them. But um, I think our general focus when we step out on the court is to be confident and know that we can play with anyone, know that we can beat anyone. Now let's talk about this upcoming week, Pacific um, and UC Davis both right behind you guys in the conference standings at 2-1. Pacific with the better record, 14-2. and UC Davis, 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Let's start with Pacific. How do you guys match up with the Tigers? What are you guys looking to do against them? Um, I think just the same as what we've been doing. We always talk about such a big part of our game is serving and passing, and um, we work on that every day in practice. It's not just something we do every once in a while. So I think the team that definitely has a stronger is a stronger serving team and a strong pass, passing team has the better chance to win. So I think that definitely will be a focus. And then also we will probably talk about later in the week certain hitters that we want to shut down that are big impacts on this team. So I'm sure that will be a focus going into the match. Um, and what do you expect from UC Davis? They've been very good in the past, mm-hmm. struggling a little bit, you know, 500 volleyball, but still pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. What are you guys looking to do against them? Um, For me, Davis, they've always been a very streaky team. If they get on a roll and they find that fire, they they can just roll with it. And so I think it's important for us to shut that down early and uh, make sure they don't get too hot. Um, Kristen, you became UC Irvine's all-time leader in digs this year, really early in, in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you aware of this record? I wasn't aware of it actually until last spring when – I didn't even know you, where you could look up those records, but somebody told me, like, oh, you're pretty close to Devin's, and I was like, oh, that's cool. So, um, Are you now looking at the Big West record? Um, I know it's within reach, but I'm just more concerned with getting wins on the board right do you, now. Do you know who holds the record? I do, yes. It's uh, Cammy. I played against her for two years. And that is Alex, our cameraman's sister. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> small world. <laughs> So Alex and I have had that conversation about you potentially breaking this record, and and he's gotten a little steamy about it, but (laughs) (laughs) I think he'll be okay that an anteater is going to break the record if it happens. Right, Alex? (laughs) Uh, Doesn't seem so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What, you know, talk about being the libero and what it takes to be, you know, a great libero. I just think you have to have the mentality that every single ball is yours and that way you'll start digging more balls, taking up more area, and you're supposed to be um, the best passer, the best defender, and with that comes the pressure and expectation that you're always performing, and you usually have to take more court away from uh, some of your other players just to help them out a bit. So in that sense, I think it's just um, a very aggressive position, maybe not the most glorified position, but you definitely have to be an aggressor on the court and take more balls and um, 
more court. Well, and that definitely fits in with your personality. I've known yeah. you for four years. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you get after it. Um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But um, were you always drawn to that position? No, I actually wasn't a libero until my senior year of high school is when I started to play it. Um, I was an outside hitter, and I always was just better at passing and defense than I was at hitting. So I just kind of transformed into that. You know, you guys had a disappointing 2011. You know, mm-hmm. I've talked to you and a couple of the upperclassmen at the end of last year. Um, what was the conversation you had with your team at the end of 2011, and what has been the difference? Is there are there some things you can point to for 20 that had made the difference for you guys in 2012? I think so. I think well, we also didn't have we had a disappointing 2010 as well, and I think we made our 2011 season more about our. 2010 season than about our 2011 season we just we all we thought about was redemption redemption whereas opposed to this year we're more about you know finding ourselves we don't have to make it about the past we just have to make it about ourselves and what's happening right now and what we want to accomplish this year and what has the addition of Jamie Morrison meant to you and the team Jamie's been wonderful he's definitely um, a very positive energy out there in the court but he also is very specific. He'll tell you what you're doing wrong immediately so you can correct it. And um, he does so in a very uh, positive way. So it translates very well to the girls. And it, it's got to be impressive to you that you had, you know, a former Olympian mm-hmm. and in Paula Weisloff as your head coach. And she just got through helping uh, Team USA win the silver mm-hmm. in London. I mean, talk about that relationship and how she's helped you grow. Definitely. I think you just have to respect everything she says because you know she has so much knowledge of the game. And so whenever she tells me something, I take it deep into consideration and I work at that skill and I have seen immense improvements. Kristen, it's been a great year for you individually so far. And you see your vine is definitely in the mix for a top spot in the Big West with a lot of volleyball still to be played. Uh, let's take a quick break, folks, and come back for more with Kristen Winkler. This is Mitch Wise, junior driver on the men's water polo team. And you're listening to the Blue and Gold Report on KUCI 88.9. Okay, and welcome back to the Blue and Gold Report. We are still with Kristen Winkler, senior libero from the women's volleyball team. Kristen, we're going to take it off the volleyball court and talk about what you're going to do this spring because you're going to Paris. Yes, I am. We. So talk about how that opportunity came about. Um. Well, I never really thought I'd have the opportunity to study abroad just because volleyball, usually people go in the fall and come back for their winter and spring quarters. But I thought, why not? I'm going to be done with volleyball. So I started looking for programs. Originally, I wanted to go to Italy, but they didn't offer as many business classes, and I am a business major. So um, Paris was the next option, and I am very happy that it ended up working out. Um, I know you've been studying French, mm-hmm. so say something for our French listeners. <laughs> oh my gosh, the pressure's on. Um, uh, je m'appelle Christine. Um, uh, je joue volleyball. Et, um, j'ai uh, et une anse. <laughs> Alex, I know you're French Canadian. You got any French? Did that sound okay? <laughs> Oh, he threw out some French, I too. I know. I don't know if any of that used to said. That's really all I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the first thing you're going to go see in Paris? Gosh, I don't know. Um, 
I just want to go everywhere. I want to see, obviously, all the historic sites, like the Eiffel Tower and the Arc de Triomphe. Um, but I just want to find, you know, the little hole-in-the-wall restaurants and just kind of the more undercover places. And I'm going to be there for five months. So I think I'm going to have an opportunity to really explore the city and all the um, maybe not-so-publicized sites that they have there. Is it is the program similar to just are you going to literally be in school? nine to five or very similar to what the UC Irvine schedule is? No. Um, uh, European universities are different. At least this is what I've read um, about my school is that you only have uh, for each class maybe one to two hours of instruction a week and maybe a, a discussion. Um, so it's very different. It's much more, it's much less test, much, much less homework. And it's more just you have to read on your own and prepare for the final. So that's going to be different, but um, hopefully more time to travel. Now, does this include any types of internships at, at a business? Um, no, th- I think there's definitely opportunities to get internships over there. But as of right now, I haven't looked into that. So maybe we'll now, see. Are you, is this something that you're doing on your own? Are you going with uh, other students from the business school or is this just you? As of right now, I'm the only person I know from the school going, so I am going to be by myself, but there's, um, I my family knows a few people over there, and our friends have friends over there, so I definitely will be in contact with people. Have you had escargot? No. <laughs> Are you going to try it? Yes, I will definitely try it. I don't know if I'll like it, but. Okay, we're going to stick, we're going to stick to Europe because, and move over to London, because mm-hmm. I know. Uh, I don't know if it's a little-known fact, but I know you're a big Harry Potter fan. <laughs> and is it safe to say you're a Harry Potter nerd? Yes. So safe to say. Okay. So you've read the books multiple times, mm-hmm. and you've seen the movies, but you don't like the movies. I do not like the movies. Why don't you like the movies? I just... I have read these books so many times, and I know them like in my heart, and... I just feel the movies don't do a very good job portraying the characters and they leave out some crucial elements of the books and I just think very poor character development would be the top reason why I don't like them. Folks, just want to let you know the opinions expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of UC Irvine Athletics or KUCI. <laughs> um, but, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, and we've talked about this a little bit, but you don't particularly like Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter. I don't. What is the problem with Daniel Radcliffe? Oh, gosh. Uh, where to start? Um, <laughs> I just think he's kind of really whiny in the movies, and Harry's supposed to be so much more stoic and kind of just not sure of himself, but doesn't really care what other people think. And I don't. Just the way he comes off kind of seems a little wimpy to me and just not my top pick for Harry. But you do like Emma Watson as Hermione. I do. And I thought you, she did a wonderful job. And you like Ron Weasley's. I do. Okay. Yes. Any other any other uh, characters you had problems with or actors you had problems with? The dumb, the new Dumbledore. I did not like that. Just, I don't know. It was not how I pictured it in my mind. And I thought the original one, Richard Harris, who ended up passing away, did a pretty good job. But this new one was just too aggressive and too angry and just not anything that Dumbledore is, so... Um, and you had you had someone in mind if you were going to recast mm-hmm. Dumbledore, who would you pick? <laughs> I would say first Liam Neeson in about fifteen years, once he's all <laughs> old and gray, and then um, if I had to do it now, maybe Donald Sutherland, just because he's at that age right now. Well, you thought about this oh, a lot. Yes. Oh yes, 
Um, well, let's have a little fun. If you were going to recast Harry Potter using your teammates, oh gosh, who would be Harry? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> do, you, do you have all the spells down? I, I know a fair few. What, what's your favorite? What spell would you use right now if you could? Oh, my gosh. I would use a disillusionment charm to make myself invisible because I'm going to be so embarrassed <laughs> after this interview. <laughs> okay. I didn't ask you this off air, but do you have your own wand? Oh, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> I dress up for every movie premiere. <laughs> um, okay. Who on the team is Hermione? Oh, somebody really witty. Hmm. Maybe. Oh, gosh, this is hard to do on the Maybe, um, maybe a Marissa Bubica. She's a Harry, she's an avid Harry fan, so I could see her filling that role. Does she, does she know it as well as you do? Um, I mean, I don't want to. You know, no, I wouldn't say she does not know it as, as well as me, but not many people do. So, okay. Who is, um, Ron Weasley from the team? There's gotta be a Ron. Uh, who would it be? Maybe, maybe a, like a Sarah, Sarah Wilder. <laughs> I can see that. Okay. And what we're going to do right now is put your Harry Potter knowledge to the test. I'm going to oh, give you a little gosh. pop quiz. I'm so nervous. I haven't read them in a while. I think this is your first quiz this year, right? From school? Yes. Okay. I have yet to go to class. So Okay. So, professors, I'm quizzing her. So be easy on her tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Pop quiz number one. How old was Harry when he first went to Hogwarts? Eleven. Oh, that was fast. <laughs> okay. What is the name of the captain of the Gryffindor's Quidditch team? Oliver Wood. Two for two. <laughs> what is the name of the Gryffindor's ghost? Uh, Sir Nicholas de okay. Mimsy Porrington. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I had near headless Nick, so oh, okay, that's, think, that's his nickname. I think your official name. You got. You give me the official name. Okay, how many points is the Golden Snitch worth? One hundred and fifty. What is the name of the three-headed dog in the Sorcerer's Stone? Fluffy. Okay, I'm giving you a bonus question. She's five for five. <laughs> What was the last Horcrux? Uh, Harry's soul. The okay. la- well, he was the last Horcrux, but the last one killed was the snake. I'm going to have to bow down. Kristen Winkler <laughs> is officially UC Irvine Athletics Harry Potter Yay! expert. <laughs> Kristen, thanks for joining us today. I want to wish you the best of luck, and I hope you'll come back and tell us about Paris. I will. I'd love to. And uh, please bring me back a beret. <laughs> I will. Thanks, Sumi. And Eater fans, we'll be right back on the Blue and Gold Report, and we're going to take a look at Big West Soccer and talk with Alex Croto, the Sports Information Director for the men's and women's teams. Hey, fans, this is Julie Brooks, head coach of the women's golf team. Be sure to friend Peter, the anteater, on Facebook this season. Peter keeps all of his friends updated on all UC Irvine athletic games and events. Search Peter Ant and add him today. And we're back with the Blue and Gold Report with soccer in full bloom. We're going to turn our attention to UC Irvine and Big West Soccer. We've brought in Alex Croto, who sits on the sidelines at the UC Irvine Games. He is the sports information director for the men's and women's soccer team. Alex, good to have you. Good to have myself. (laughs) Uh, let's talk about Big West Soccer. Both the men and the women picked to finish pretty high in their respective conferences or divisions. The men are now split into divisions, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, the women picked to finish second, off to a good start at 2-0. and 
but their overall record six and seven. That doesn't sound like a great record, but I. What's your take on that? Yeah, it's tough to look at it at six and seven and say that it's a successful season because obviously you want to be, you know, kind of where some of the other teams are. Only a couple losses, but the women have had a really tough schedule. They started off four at home and they're against really good teams. BYU and uh, Auburn were kind of teams that were in the middle. BYU is all of a sudden one of the top teams in the country, and we played them tough when they were here. They, the women lost in overtime. So their schedule looks really good right now. They have five teams that they've played that are ranked right now. They beat two of them in Auburn and Oregon State. So the fact that they were 4-7 and seven going into conference doesn't look very good, but in reality... It is because they played tough teams, and it, and it helps them in the long run. And now that they're in the conference and they, they won their first two matches, which puts them right where they want to be. So their experience against these tougher teams are, has really begun to show in Big West. Um, like I said, they opened up at 2-0. and let's, let's take a look back at last week's game. You were there. Um, you weren't there. They were on the road. But you did talk with Coach Juniper. Uh, relay to our fans a little bit about what he said and what you have seen from this team. Well, like I said, their, their tough schedules helped them out when getting ready for conference, and anything can happen in conference. They they went in and played Fullerton on Friday uh, in usually a, a pretty good environment, and they, they beat them pretty soundly 3-1, to one, uh, and they got help from everybody on the team. And then Fullerton came right back on Sunday, and they beat Long Beach State, who's the favorite to win the Big West. So that's the type of stuff that can happen in the Big West. Uh, and it's good for us to get that win and puts us one game up on Long Beach is where you want to be. And then on Sunday they go into Riverside, who is having a good year. Uh, they usually aren't somebody like UCI or Long Beach that's contending for a title, but they're always scary to go in and Riverside and play. And that was the fact because they took us to overtime. And we got... Uh, a huge goal in overtime by senior Jackie Samus, who got the got the points that we needed and put us up at two and zero. And Jackie's been one of those players who has had to see time from the bench her previous years because she played behind players such as Coco um, and Sarah Devine. And Sarah Devine, exactly. So now she's kind of coming into her own. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, there's been a lot of fluctuation on the back line since we lost a lot of our main players, but. Jackie, this is what she's been training for for the last three years, and now she's a senior defender. She's got more help. Rachel Wood came in. She started out on, as a forward, but she came in from North Carolina and was a defender there. And so Scott thought, let's just put her on the back line since that's where she's most comfortable. And she's helped out the defense. And then there's the freshman, Haley O'Brien, who got thrown in the first game. She's played almost every minute, but she's played the most minutes at everybody. And has been sturdy back there, and and Zoya Farzane, who is who has been playing the last couple of years, and she's kind of developed into that leadership role. So it's it's starting to come together once you get in the conference. And players like Jackie, right? Uh, she might not have gotten all the playing time, but she's been prepared. Scott prepares his whole bench for players, and they're ready for this moment, their senior year, to to get another title. So let's take a look at these upcoming games. A very key match this week because UC Irvine takes on Cal Poly. Cal Poly also two and zero. Their record five and five and one. Excuse me, it's five five and one. Uh, so they're another tough team that UC Irvine has to contend with. Let's. Uh, what's your take on Cal Poly? Who do they have, and how do the Anteaters match up? 
Cal Poly is, uh, they're a good team, and then they've played some good competition. They've played uh, LMU, Oregon State, and BYU, who UCI have all played. They actually beat LMU, which UCI was unable to. They lost to Oregon State, who's a tough team, and they lost to BYU at BYU in front of 4,000 people. So they're tested just like UCI is. Uh, they're 5-5-1 five, five record. It's kind of the same as the 6-7. and seven. You it does, don't put much much into that, but they came into Big West, and they, they beat up on Pacific, and they beat UC Davis, who's a tough team. Uh, they hadn't shut anybody out all year. Actually, they, they did early, but they had been giving up a lot of goals, and then they shut out a team like Davis. So they, I think they're right now in a spot just like UCI. They're getting hot coming into conference. They've got a girl, Elise Kriegoff, who scored three goals over the weekend. She's kind of taken over the, the scoring on that team. So it's it's going to be a, a good match on Friday because both teams are at the top of their game right now. Do, does Cal Poly play a similar style as UC Irvine, or is it completely different? It's it's probably more similar than most of the teams in the conference. Uh, the UC, UCI is, is very tactical and uh, strategic in how they, they wear you down and they, they break you apart from their scheme. They aren't exactly a, a run-and-gun, kind of like the men are. They don't attack all the time. They're kind of just waiting for their, their opportunity, like a chess game. Um, but Cal Poly, a lot like UCI in the past, they've had really good defense. And so that has uh, been something that you have to figure out how to get past and get goals on them. Like last year, it was a one nothing game. Uh, UCI won, and that's what I expect this year again. And, that, and then following the Cal Poly game, UC Irvine will face Santa Barbara. Are you expecting to see tortillas on the field? Uh, do they do they do that on the women's side? I didn't see any last year on the women's side. They, especially since the, I know the men will be at home, uh, hosting somebody at the same time. Uh, the women's team in the past have been a very good team. They've kind of fallen from their high ranks in the last few years, but they're still always a tough team. Last year, they were, uh, I wouldn't say floundering, but they were down in the in the bottom of the Big West. And they gave up a good or put up a good fight. They only lost. It was a one nothing game again, and so probably won't be seeing any tortillas. But Santa Barbara is a tough match anytime you play them, especially when you get them and Cal Poly in the same weekend. Now Santa Barbara's struggles last year was that due to uh, losing a big senior class, or was that just a lack of chemistry in your opinion? What did What do you think? Um, I wouldn't. Probably a couple of big players that they lost. They're probably regaining their form. They've they've done a good job this year of, of trying to get back to that. They played a, a tougher schedule. They went out, played Big Twelve teams, played Big Ten teams, and their record might not look as good. But they you know they played teams Pepperdine and San Diego State who are really good. They fought UC Davis coming into conference, so the record also isn't as good. But they've also been battle tested, so they they can strike at any time. Okay, let's turn our attention back to our women's team. Uh, who has stepped up? Who is new? Who should Anteater fans be looking for when they go to the soccer game this week? Well, there's big names like Natalia Ledesma and uh, Zoya Farzane who came on last year, and they're kind of the rocks. Uh, the people that came in this year, like I said, we had the transfer, Rachel Wood from North Carolina, originally from Laguna Niguel, went to Aliso Niguel High School, and she is as a lot of the players and coaches have said she's a specimen. She's six foot. She can crush the ball just like Coco did. 
and she started off as a forward, and now she's a defender, and it's just like having a, a forward back on the on defense that can come up at any time. Uh, also, Haley O'Brien, like I said, freshman, she's played almost every minute. She hasn't found the offensive side, but she's solid on defense. And then we've got everybody's stepped up this year, players like uh, Jordan Utvich, Laura McGrail, players that they it's only their second or third year and they haven't had much action but this year they get their chance and they're actually they're doing it jordan utfitch has two shots on goal this year and both of them have been goals uh that's laura, pretty efficient laura mcgrail has three goals and they've all been game winners so people are are making it happen when they get on the field and there's players like dana sanderlin who she's a senior she's been here before she is very uh, has a very good veteran presence on the field, and she's scored when she's gotten her opportunities, uh, and she's starting to turn it on in Big West as well. So there's a lot of a lot of new and old faces coming together. So far from the games you've seen, who is that player or players that Scott will bring off the bench to just add that spark? Are those players there, or is it not necessarily necessary this year? Well, it's since they did, there there are a lot of key players that are gone from last year. So he's trying all sorts of people. He's trying to see who's going to who's gonna come in and be the player. Uh, one person he likes to use is Zuri Walker, who's a sister of Amani Walker, used to play her. And she's, you know, she's tall, strong. She'll go up after every header. And she's got a great, uh, a great strike on the ball. There's a couple highlights out there of the goal she had against Texas A&M. She can, at, from any point in the field, she can turn around and just blast it and, and get a shot on goal. Uh, and there's also people like Jordan Utvich and people like uh, Devin De La Rosa who, who know what they're doing out there and they just have a, a feel for the game. And there's other players. Uh, 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 I just had it. I can't. I'm trying to. There's <laughs> the other. Uh, Jenna Pellegrino, who's a sophomore. She played a lot last year. And she she could definitely be in the starting line, but there's a reason he brings her off the bench. She's smart and she can understand what Scott's telling her. It's like go in the game and do this, and she does it right away. And she's very sound with the ball, doesn't give it up. And uh, those two are probably those are a few of the the big players that he'll bring off the bench. Um, talk about Corey Tobin. She's kind of inserted herself into the lineup, sharing time in goal with Jen Randazzo. Corey Tobin is a freshman, a local local kid, and she. Didn't get the start at the beginning of the year. Uh, Randazzo started. She started every game last year, and so she got the nod. And she was playing very well against some tough competition. Uh, wanted to bring in Tobin one game, and she had a freak accident. Uh, messed up her hand. but So that was kind of an odd situation, so Randazzo kept with it. And then they brought Tobin back when the girls were kind of starting to, to go downhill. And she's she's played really well. The Big West matches, she hasn't really been tested. She's only made three saves in two matches, but she's tall. She's 5'11", uh, very, comes from a very good program. She's getting her chance, and she's, she's playing very well. Uh, and it's we have a very young crop of keepers. We had uh, Daniel Desarier for all those years, and so we brought in Randazza last year. She played awesome, and there's more young players behind her like Tobin. Uh and everybody's going to get their shot and it's it's going to be interesting to see who's who gets who gets the nod in years to come and who is solid and sticks in there. So definitely a good, you know, we'll call it a farm system mm-hmm. in goal for UC Irvine. Um 
really quickly, just talk about who's been scoring for UC Irvine regularly. Natalia Ledesma, always one of those names, Dana Sanderlin. Um, talk about how the offense has been shared and who's been scoring for UCI. It has been shared. Uh, like I said, McGrail, who's she's her and um, Dana Sanderlin have led the team in goals, but everybody's scoring. Utvich is scoring. Rachel Wood, she scored on a penalty kick this weekend, and her and Natalia are always from any point in the field just ready to ready to rip it. That's got to make it hard to defend. It is. It, you can't defend somebody from out there, and you know if the keeper's standing there thinking you know what are they trying to come up with all of a sudden the ball is coming at them from 35 yards away it is hard to defend and they they've had very spread out with their with their scoring uh zuri walker like i said she had one uh jackie samus has been just in the right spot at the right time same as jordan utfitch so it's 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 good to have that balance of of scores instead of the one person that they look to and try and shut down anybody on the field can score well that's definitely exciting for fans to watch as the big west season continues a really quickly dana sanderlin i know um on the record watch list can you talk about that a little bit she is she it kind of snuck up on us because last year was kind of our big senior class of players that have played for a while uh with uh, judy christopher being one of them and she set the record in starts. I think she has 82 starts, which Dana has a ways to go, but Dana's played in 78 games while she's been here at UCI, and the record at 83 uh, is tied by Nicole Bucciarelli, Judy Christopher, Nikki Forrest, and Tanya Taylor, which is a very big crop of UCI names, and Dana is right in line. She's been very consistent and always out there, uh, and she's set to, if she plays the next six games it'll be at home when she plays her 84th game so that would be fun to get the crowd out and behind her well we'll definitely have to keep an eye out on the website for that information um so thanks alex on the women's side we'll be right back and discuss the men attention anteater fans this is dan clapp the head coach of the women's water polo team get the inside information on the women's water polo team by becoming a fan of the uc irvine women's water polo fan page go to www com and click on Multimedia and connect with UC Irvine Women's Water Polo or search us on Facebook. Get connected and be a part of Eater Nation. And we're back with Alex Croto, sports information contact for UC Irvine men's and women's soccer. Alex, let's turn our attention to the men. UC Irvine, rough start in conference play 0-2, lost to a very good Sacramento State team. But the new thing this year is the divisional format for soccer. Uh, can you enlighten us on that? Yeah. Well, we added Sacramento State uh, only for soccer in the Big West, and they made it eight teams. So the men decided to make two divisions. So it's in a north and a south. Uh, north, Sacramento State, Davis, Cal Poly, Santa Barbara. And the south is uh, UCI, Northridge, Fullerton, and Riverside. And it, it makes it a little more interesting because there's – you don't have to worry about Santa Barbara or Cal Poly or the bigger teams up north. You just worry about yourself. Right now, we haven't even played anybody from the south yet. Uh, so that's one way to get into the Big West Tournament now, just win your division instead of having to worry about seven other teams. It's just three, pretty much. Now, does every team play every other team, every, regardless of the division? Right. Everybody plays each other once. Uh, the only difference is you play your division you play each team in your division twice, and you'll play them once at home and once at their place. Uh, and I think 
the we'll play everybody from the north once and it'll switch off every year which place you play at and then at the end there's a north and south winner and they'll play each other and that determines the conference champion i think actually the north the north winner will play second place in the south and okay. the south winner will play the second place in the north so they mix it up like that a little okay bit. so two teams out of each division yeah. will advance yeah so new format for uc irvine excuse me a new format for the big west men's soccer side UC Irvine on the road, big match against UC Santa Barbara. That's always been a great rivalry, and you've seen several of those games up at Santa Barbara and at UC Irvine. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that rivalry? Well, I can tell you that game on Friday, there will be tortillas everywhere. <laughs> uh, the Santa Barbara crowd, they average about 5,000. They had at least 10,000 the other day when they played UCLA on Fox Soccer Channel. Um and yeah, it's right now the men are 0 and 2 in conference, but that doesn't matter when they go to Santa Barbara because they anything can happen. We we saw that last year with the Big West tournament final, uh, and they went up last year and beat Santa Barbara. So it's it's going to be a good match, especially Santa Barbara's angry. They're coming off they they tied with Cal State Fullerton, who Cal State Fullerton is not a bad team, but Santa Barbara had just been rolling along and. They came out of nowhere, so they're going to have a little extra fire. So we're going to see two teams really hungry for a win this week. Exactly. And if I recall, I think that game will be audio streamed, in video streamed, yep. on, and we can find that on UCRVineSports.com. Mm-hmm. And then talk about their matchup against Cal Poly, because Cal Poly also has been a good team in the past. They go toe-to-toe with Santa Barbara. They draw big, big crowds as well. Uh, definitely one of the Big West leaders in men's soccer, and UC Irvine has to play Santa Barbara and Cal Poly back-to-back. Yeah, they, that's usually how it works. They go play Santa Barbara and then up to Cal Poly or vice versa. And last year, Cal Poly, they beat us at home in a game that they started a freshman keeper that had never started the game before. And I think, I know UCI outshot them by a wide margin, but Cal Poly got the goal and they won one nothing. Then we went up to Cal Poly and beat them one nothing. So, And just like you said, they've been good for a long time. They're always going to be right up there with uh, the top people in the Big West, and they have a large crowd, so it's going to be just another test coming right off of the Santa Barbara match. And you just touched upon something that maybe for, for the casual soccer fan has to be so frustrating where you can have a wide margin in shots and you can control the ball the majority of the game and still come out the loser. Mm-hmm. It's That's what happens. Like You see sometimes in... It's the same thing with like hockey. If you if your goaltender is on or your defense is on, then all you need is one little breakout and a goal, and you could you can win it just like that. It's it's very frustrating to some fans. And you know we don't have a lot of time left in this segment, but very quickly, can you talk about who's been stepping up for you, Sirvine? I know Cameron Iwasa's uh, Gore Kirikozian. 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 Excuse me. Sorry, Gore. Um, have been scoring for you, Sirvine, but Gore's a new face. He is. He transferred from uh, Pasadena City College, and he's he's fun. You, you see him off the field, and he's really reserved. He's very, you know, polite. But he gets on the field, and he's you know he's attacking, and he's having fun every time he scores. He's got a new dance going on, uh, and those two guys have definitely been scoring. But the team in general is just fun to watch. Chris Christopher Santana, uh, Enrique Cardenas, Marco Franco. They just they. They, they're so much fun to watch for the ball because they just do dances around defenders, and it's exciting. And that's kind of a hallmark of what George likes to recruit, are guys who are very technically skilled with the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they definitely like to attack. They definitely like to, to score, and there's 
guys that can do whatever they want with a soccer ball. It's it's fascinating to watch. Uh, they just run circles around guys, and they lead them one way, and all of a sudden the guy's laying on the ground, and we're on a breakout towards the goal. So it's 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 a style that definitely gets the job done. Well, fans, a lot of Big West soccer left to be played. The women are at home, the men on the road. But come out and watch and support the women's team, and the men will be at home shortly in the next week or so. Uh, that, that'll be all for the Big West Soccer segment. Alex, thanks for joining us today, and we will be back with more on the Blue and Gold Report. And see the fans, this is Scott Juniper, head coach of the women's soccer team. Become a fan of the UC Irvine's Women's Soccer Facebook fan page. Go to www.ucirvinesports.com and click on Multimedia to connect with UC Irvine Women's Soccer. Or you can also search UC Irvine Women's Soccer on Facebook. Welcome back to the Blue and Gold Report. Coming up this week in Anteater Athletics, Paula Weissoff's women's volleyball team, 8-9 and nine overall and 3-1 and one in the Big West, hosts Pacific and UC Davis at Crawford Court this weekend. The Anteaters meet the Tigers Friday and the Aggies Saturday with first serve for both matches at 7 o'clock. Big West soccer action continues as the women's team, 6-7 and seven overall and 2-0 and oh in the Big West, entertains Cal Poly Friday at 7 and UC Santa Barbara Sunday at 1 at Anteater Stadium. George Koontz's men's soccer team will be challenged on the road this week as the team travels to UC Santa Barbara Friday for a 7 o'clock showdown and then takes on Cal Poly Sunday at 1. Live stats and video are available at UCIrvineSports.com. The 12-3 men's water polo team, which has played 12 straight matches on the road, will play two more in hostile territory this week at the Convergence Tournament and faces Whittier and Laverne this Saturday beginning at 11.20 a.m. in Whittier. Julie Brooks's women's golf team returns to the state of Washington October 8th through the 10th to compete at the Sahali Country Club in a tournament hosted by the University of Washington. The men's and women's cross-country teams travel to the Triton Classic in La Jolla this Saturday with the starting gun set to sound at 9 a.m. And that will do it for the Blue and Gold Report today. Tune in next week as we talk to a member of the women's soccer team. Remember, oh, sorry, let me start over. Hi, Anteater fans. This is head coach Julie Brooks of the women's golf team. Are you on Facebook? If so, get the inside scoop on the women's golf team by going to www.ucirvinesports.com and clicking on Multimedia to connect with UC Irvine Women's Golf or search us on Facebook. Get connected and be a part of Eater Nation. That will do it for the Blue and Gold Report today. Tune in next week as we talk to a member of the women's soccer team. Remember, send your questions to the Blue and Gold Report at yahoo.com or tweet us at UCI Athletics hashtag BG Report. Thanks for listening.